I've experienced firsthand how painful a divorce can be. My parents divorced when I was eight. I was an only child. Eight, of course, is, you know, the age where you're really still um, impressionable. And I knew always, I never once doubted, that both of my parents loved me a lot. And they're great parents. I couldn't thank God for much better parents. And yet, they had an unsuccessful marriage. And I've seen how painful this can be because whenever there's a divorce, there's confusion, there's a sense of of failure that you didn't plan for, there's a sense of shame and embarrassment, especially around church people, there's a sense of loneliness, certainly bitterness and anger, and you start to feel unwelcomed in a lot of places. And then you start to have a discussion about an annulment, and that becomes difficult as well. I've experienced firsthand how just understanding what annulment even is, is really tough, much less to accept it and to have the energy to go through that process, a process that can seem extremely intimidating and a process that... um, can seem just overwhelming. And then, if you start the process, there's discouragements along the way, it seems to take forever, and it just seems like you, get, you keep getting hit left and right. And so it's hard. I've seen how difficult this can be, not only in my own family, but people come to me all the time, and I've heard so many different stories. And every single time, what I'm struck to see is that these are good well-intentioned people that never expected to be divorced and yet life hit them sideways and now they don't know what to do and they feel abandoned and alone and discouraged and so unfortunately we have another difficult teaching today golly i feel like this is a preaching series that i didn't plan for a series of difficult teachings in the church for the past four or five weeks. And here we go. Jesus is um, pretty difficult today in the Gospels. Quite bluntly, he says, if a man divorces his wife and marries another, it's adultery. Divorced and remarried and remarriage is adultery. So what are we to do with a teaching like this whenever we know that the reality is that all of us uh, at least know somebody, if not, it, if, if not even ourselves. We know people who are good, well-intentioned people who love the Lord, who have never planned to have an unsuccessful marriage, but yet have unfortunately experienced that. What are we to do? So Jesus, first of all, paints for us a picture of marriage. And he quotes uh, the book of Genesis, which is the very beginning of the Bible. It's at the very root and heart of this discussion of who we are as human beings. When God created the world, he created marriage as well. He said it's good for man. I mean, he said it's not good for man to be alone, that it's important for man to seek communion. And so he established marriage right there in the first chapters of 
of Scripture. And Jesus quotes this as painting a picture for us of what it means to be human. He says that what God joins together, man must not separate, that, um, that a man and a woman would leave their home and come together to establish a lifelong partnership. And, and St. Paul expounds on this too in the book of Ephesians, his letter to the Ephesians. He explains how the love between a man, man and a woman is an image of God's love for us. It's an image of total, complete, fruitful, and faithful love. And although imperfect, because all of us are imperfect, it's the closest image we have of God's profound, intimate love for each individual soul. And so Jesus paints this ideal for us, but he knows full well that we are weak, that we are imperfect, that we make mistakes. And yet he still challenges us with a teaching like this. So what are we to do? The difficult thing here is that, unfortunately, the church cannot change scripture. The reason we can't do so is because we are a faith who has received the truth. We've received scripture. We didn't create scripture. We didn't get together as a democratic uh, society and create our religion based off of our preferences and realistic expectations. We received divine revelation from God in scripture. And so it's beyond our authority and capacity to change a word of Scripture, even when it's hard. So what can we do? As good stewards of people who have received such an amazing gift, the divine Word of God, what we can do is wrestle with it and support one another through it and find creative ways to live it. And so we know that marriage is difficult, but yet we also know that it's beautiful, that it's perhaps the most important, beautiful gift that God's given to us. And so the church, in her wisdom, has, has received this passage and has asked the question long before any of us have, and has asked this question, well, what are we to do with those good people who have had unsuccessful marriages? And, and they've seen that what we can do is we can... Look at what Jesus means by marriage. We can ask the question, what does he actually mean by marriage? And, and what we've realized by, by praying with this scripture and by putting it within all the context of all of scripture is that by marriage, what Jesus means is that it's a sacrament, that it's the sacrament of matrimony, that it's the sacrament between which a man and a woman give themselves to each other completely and become one. And this union of persons within the sacramental context is until death. And so what the church can do is, although the church cannot change scripture, what the church can do is determine whether or not something is sacramental. Because it is within the church's authority, as Jesus gave this authority to his apostles in John chapter 20, it's within his authority, her authority, to determine whether or not something is a sacrament. It's either a sacrament or it isn't. And so we know that because of the legal contract that um, all marriages that are done legally are in fact legal. 
that it's a civil agreement, and, and the church is never even going to say anything about that because it's not within our authority. It's the state's authority to determine whether or not a marriage is legal. Nor is the church going to say whether or not a couple loves each other. That's between the couple to decide. They have a story, they have a past, and good chances are there was at least a time where they really try their best to love each other. The only thing that the church can talk about within their boundaries and authority is whether or not this marriage was sacramental. And if it was sacramental, then we have to reverence what Jesus says about it. But if it is not sacramental, then what we can say is that we can make a distinction. That it was legal, but not sacramental. And therefore, potentially, it's possible to enter into that one sacramental marriage in the future with someone else. So how do we ask, answer that question? How do we know if something's sacramental? So there's a lot to be said here. I'll try to keep it simple and short, but I think this is important for all of us to understand no matter where we're at in this discussion because all of us can help uh, clear up some misconceptions in the world about what an annulment might be. You see, an annulment is almost misleading by that name. It's not a stamp on top of a marriage that says, okay, we forgive you, try again. An annulment is rather an investigation and then a declaration of either nullity or validity of a sacrament. It was either a sacrament or it was not. We have to investigate. And what kinds of things do we investigate? Well, first of all, we, ex we investigate the externals. Was there actually a marriage within a church before a priest? Um, a husband and a wife? Were there two witnesses? Sometimes that doesn't happen, and so the, it's, it's usually a little bit easier to determine. But when that does happen, then we can examine the internals, the subjective realities. And there are two things that the church ex um, examines here. It examines the mind and the will. It examines sufficient knowledge and sufficient freedom. Why? Because those are the two ways in which we encounter the Lord. We can know the Lord with our mind, and we can love the Lord with our will, with our choice. And so, in order to know the Lord and love the Lord, we have to be sufficiently knowledgeable, and we have to be sufficiently free to love. And it's the same to have a valid sacramental marriage. And so we examine those two things. So there's a million things that we could examine here because everybody's story is unique, everybody's story is delicate, everybody's story is personal, and so that's why it's an investigation. We have to hear the story, we have to ask some questions, and we determine whether or not at least one of the parties, uh, husband or wife, was insufficiently knowledgeable or insufficiently free. What makes them insufficiently knowledgeable? Maybe they didn't know that marriage was forever. Or maybe they didn't know that you're supposed to be open to life in your marriage. Or maybe you didn't know that marriage is a sacrament and that God needs to be a part of it. Or maybe you didn't know truly who your spouse was. Maybe they were living a double life. Or maybe they kept a big secret from you. Or maybe 
there was something that they didn't even know about themselves, but that we discovered later, and this was big enough to be detrimental to a marriage. Maybe you didn't know. Or maybe you weren't sufficiently free. Maybe you felt pressured to marry somebody. Maybe you felt like you got so far into that relationship that there was no turning back. Maybe your family and your friends kind of pressured you too far. Or maybe you were afraid. You were afraid to be alone. Or you were afraid to hurt your spouse by breaking up with them. Or maybe you were addicted to something, something harmful, and something that would prevent you from being able to freely love your spouse. Or maybe there's something else. Because the list is big and wide. And it's difficult to have an exhaustive list because everybody's story is unique. But what we examine is whether or not we were sufficiently knowledgeable and sufficiently free at the time of marriage. And if not, if the church determines that you weren't, and again, only the church has this authority because Jesus gave that authority to the apostles. If the church determines that it wasn't sacramental, well then we can say that we haven't yet entered into the sacrament of matrimony. And so then we would make a declaration of nullity. And in layman's terms, you have an annulment. But you see, it's more than just an investigation and a declaration. It's also a process, hopefully, of healing. Now, this is not always the case, I have to admit. It kind of depends on your openness to healing and the priest with which you reach out to. But for many people, including my mom, it became a process of healing. It wasn't just a formal investigation. I got to witness her transformation through the process because, first of all, there's counseling involved with the priest that helps you. Then there's something psychologically healing about revisiting your story in hindsight and bringing that to prayer and allowing the Lord to unpack that for you. There's also something very helpful to meet others that are in this process as well. So you can share your sorrow, share your pain, and you can share empathy with each other and share your transformation with each other. And then there's just something so freeing to have clarity. Whether it's sacramental or not, at least we know for sure. And there's that, the freedom and peace inside of having some, a clear answer after going through this process. All the while now, at the other side of it, there's a process of healing. And so an annulment is the church's effort to reverence that we still cannot change scripture, but we can do as much as we possibly can to be merciful and to help others through a process of healing. It's true that there's a lot of mis- um, misunderstandings and uh, misconceptions. But when done correctly, it could be a beautiful thing. And I guess so what I want y'all to know is this. If you are divorced, I want you to know that you're not alone. And I want you to know that you're still welcomed in the body of Christ. If 
you are divorced and remarried and you haven't yet gotten your annulment, what I want you to know is that the church hasn't given up on you, that we are ready to talk and to take you to the next steps forward, not to just expose you to shame, but rather quite the contrary, to bring you through a process of healing. And I know it can be daunting, and I know it's frightening, but we're ready to talk because we do need to move forward in this situation. If you've already applied for an annulment and you're still waiting to hear back, what I want you to know is that be not discouraged. I know that it's a long process. I wish it were shorter, and I hate that it's so long of a process. But nonetheless, again, you're not alone, and the Lord wants to help you through it. There is something good for you on the other side of this. If you know somebody that is divorced or that needs an annulment or that is waiting on an annulment, what I want you to know is that I need you to support those people because those people are suffering very silently. Those people need our friendship. They need our encouragement and they need our prayers. They need us to be delicate because their story is very sensitive usually. But they also need us to challenge them to move forward because God doesn't want them to stay in the mess. God wants to love them out of the mess. And just a word of encouragement for those that might feel like this is just a hopeless situation. I think it needs to be said here that there are heroic people even in our own parish that if God is calling you to be chaste and even further to be celibate, there are heroic people in our parish that are doing that. That until we get your marriage regularized and healthy, we have to look to our heroes in the parish. We have widows, we have single people, we have young people, heck, we have religious and we even have people that are in a marriage that are unable to act as husband and wife. And they are freely choosing to make that heroic choice so that God can bring them through a process of sanctity. And I am inspired by these people because that is not easy. But if you are discouraged, if you feel like there is no hope here, it helps us to understand that there are real people that are fighting this fight as well. That it is hard, yes, but that it is possible and it's worth fighting for. And so what I want us all to do today is, is to pray, especially for marriages, but I also want to especially pray for those who have been in an unsuccessful marriage. We want to pray for their healing, we want to pray for their mercy. We want to pray for their conversion. And we want to pray that their hearts would be restored. Because there's no sin too great for God's mercy. And there's no situation beyond hope for God's healing. Amen.